0: be one thing for me to come in here and say I'm representing Asbury University and just want to share with you uh, what I saw and experienced. But what's happening there isn't Asbury University. It's not. So I feel the weight of responsibility And I don't want to misquote anyone. I don't want to give skewed facts. So I'm I'm going to try to avoid that as much as possible. I am going to highly recommend that everyone here sacrifice whatever you have to to visit where God is moving. I say that for this reason. When I first took my seat in Hughes Auditorium I'm, I'm a weeper anyhow, so you can imagine what 24 hours on the campus of Asbury University was like for me. Many of you know for years um, I, I worked in retail, wandering around retail stores, and just day after day just seeing the glazed look over people's eyes, especially in the last few years, Just wandering like zombies through life. And here I sit in this old auditorium looking down at a multitude of people. And right below me are the college generation. And their love for the Lord was humbling. They weren't looking at me. They weren't looking at the stage. They were raptured into His presence. And they were just looking up and worshiping Him. And I thought, man, what an unreal group of college kids. Hundreds of them. And when someone would come up and say, we're going to read a scripture Four out of five of them grabbed a literal Bible. And I thought, wow, what a good university. But I went back and I watched the video of the chapel service of the morning that the revival started. And most of them had that glazed look that's in our culture. They were just numb, mentally, emotionally, Relationally, they were at chapel because it was required. And I got there a week later, and they were just caught up in His presence. And it was a humbling experience. Well, do I have to go to revival? No. And I'll see you in heaven. You don't have to go. But I guarantee you if everybody in this room visited where God is moving and met the Lord in that manifestation of His presence next Sunday this place would not be the same. I guarantee it. The Lord convicted me of many things that I have Surrendered to, thinking this is the way it is, this is his will for my life. And I was multiple times convicted. Every hour I was convicted of something else. But as swift as the conviction came, and I broke before him. And it, the thing about revival, it's impossible not to be broken before him, it's almost impossible. But as swift as His presence and love and conviction comes, in that humility and repentance, whatever He's showing you is grieving Him and opposing Him is that much more quickly taken away. And then you're just weeping out of humility because it didn't take me years of counseling and days of throwing myself, you know, tormenting myself I'm free and that's humbling so then you're weeping for a whole nother reason so it's just wave after wave after wave It seemed like every time I looked down they were coming out of the back with handfuls of boxes of Kleenex (laughs) We've, we've been occupying. Why does God send revival to raise up forerunners? Occupying's good. What good does it do to, to take the land if you don't occupy it, you don't keep it, you don't defend it? That's good. But now that we've set up camp, and now that the Lord has ministered to us in the occupying, why is God sending revival now? Because now it's time for forerunners. And geographically, there's no more land to take. The earth is occupied. But in the kingdom, the nations of this generation are waiting on the forerunners. And not to come as occupiers. Those will be raised up, but God's looking for the forerunners to go ahead with the revelation of Jesus Christ in that spirit of revival what is the spirit of revival so this is one of the things that the lord has convicted me of i i <laughs> even as far back as just 7 days ago i was in this room that morning and i was so broken out of frustration i was i was repenting for my anger and i was asking the lord when are you going to manifest your holy presence i'm i'm experiencing you almost every day just waves of his love waves of his glory rolling through my body to where i i dreaded having appointments and places to go because i just wanted to stay in his presence but then when it comes time for meetings I'm getting frustrated and aggravated because I'm wanting His presence that I'm experiencing within me to manifest around me, and it's not. So I even sit outside the coffee shops and, and, and just receive His love before I go in, just awaiting divine appointments only to go in and and have people dropping F-bombs on me while they're talking about Jesus and they're just untouched by the presence of God that's in me. This is my frustration and this is my repentance in the last week because what I'm talking about has caused me to give up on humanity and even made me question God. The power of His Spirit, the power of His Word, the power of His love, the power of His name, His blood, His crucifixion, His resurrection. The power is within me, but where's the impact around me? So here I sit in this auditorium in Wilmore, Kentucky, and His presence is manifested. And you go back and you see the video and you see these college freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and they're just here because my parents made me come here. I'd rather be at the, the college where they're winning the games and where they're partying hard. But they made me come to this Christian college, so here I am. And then a, a day later, they can't get enough of Jesus. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours go by. And they're still standing, their arms trembling from weakness, being raised hour after hour, just worshiping the Lord and loving them. God is manifesting Hisself on the earth right now. And I don't want to do anything to quench Him or grieve Him. So even my frustration with humanity has to die. So I've got two scripture references that I feel led to read today. Uh, The first one's in Ephesians chapter 4. And then the other one is Jeremiah chapter 29. So most of you know about this book, God's Royalty, um, we, we got it back from the printers um, in December, I think it was. And, and I, I bring this up not to sell them, but to say that this book is a prophetic, sustaining tool that God has given me. Um, this book is about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Resting upon every one of us and uniting the body of Christ and raising up individuals and the corporate body as a priesthood in the earth in the fullness of the Spirit. Um, I shared the story back in 2006. A, a guy that I went to Bible college with uh, had a dream and William Seymour appeared to him in the dream. And William Seymour, he said, looked very distraught and disturbed. William Seymour led the Azusa Street Revival and, and he shared in the dream that the reason the Azusa Street Revival did not continue was because they only functioned and operated in five of the seven spirits of God, and he was full of regret, but he told this friend of mine in the dream, he said, your generation will walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And the, God, the move of God that's coming, the awakening, the revival will last until the Lord returns because it will be empowered by the seven spirits of God, the fullness of the spirit. So I challenge you, most of you have this book, this manual. I challenge you, please go back and read through it and ask the Lord, what in this do I need to get a hold of? Do I need to grab a hold of? And the Lord will show you. There is sustainability in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There is sustainability for your personal soul but also for this move of God that's breaking out on the earth right now. It will be sustained because every day there are people waking up and going into the presence of the Lord and pouring their adoration into the lampstand, the pure oil by which the fire of God breathes and lives and ignites and illuminates everything that He's calling the church to do. But it's only in the fullness of His Spirit that we can do this. So go through the seven attributes of His Spirit. Find out. Ask Him, what am I missing? What am I lacking? And let Him break you open so that He can pour that manifestation in. I promise you, among us, among us sit some of the greatest carriers of the fire of God that this world has ever seen. Right here in this room. And it's not the person behind you or beside you. It's you that God wants to ignite and have walk this earth, illuminating heaven. That is what revival is. The purpose of revival is to make the earth uncomfortable with itself and comfortable with heaven only. That's the reality that God has come And he's walking among his people that is revival Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 through 16 it says he Jesus Christ himself has given some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers and the reason that he has given them is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, if you've been around here very much at all, you know that the work of ministry is first to the Lord Himself. Why has revival come to Asbury University? Because there were people there ministering unto the Lord. In this place, out in the middle of nowhere, well, man, why would you build a university here? You're 45 minutes from the airport. There are cities that you could start these universities in. Francis Asbury said, we are raising up a university here in the middle of nowhere so that it has the least effects of the world upon it. It is. It's just surrounded by acres of horse farms, very little traffic. You can tell they're not ready because less than a week into it, they shut the Dollar General down because the public restroom is overwhelmed. They're not ready. They don't have the sustainability the the what do you call it infrastructure to maintain what God's doing there. God has sent these leaders to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I want to say this, a lot of people are disappointed because Asbury University is changing up the schedule. They're looking, about, uh, looking out for their students. They're wanting them to, to get their degree, to finish college. And a lot of people are saying, well, isn't the move of God more important? Well, let me give you two examples of just how important it is and how God works. We read in the book of Acts that the apostles, We're going house to house, making sure that the widows and the orphans were taken care of, the poor were being fed, and they said, This isn't working. We are neglecting the Word of God and prayer. What were they saying? The fire's already growing dim just a week after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. We've got to be in a secret place, in that, that quiet place. We've got to be in the Word, fueling the fire. We've got to be adoring and loving Jesus and fueling the fire with the oil of adoration. And going house to house with all this responsibility is not sustaining His presence. So what they are doing is they are pulling back so that some aren't focused on pleasing the entire world, But they are pulling back to get in the quiet place, the secret place of intimacy, of the word, of prayer, of worship, of what birthed the revival. What birthed it is what will sustain it. So it's like the mystery of Christ in the church is like a man and a woman given in marriage. And what it took for her to conceive was one night with a man. Well, what it took to conceive is also what's necessary to raise up the child to maturity. The man has to be there. And if she is neglecting the man and more focused on the child, there's not gonna be a father in the home. So yes, attention has to be given to what has been birthed, to the infant that is there. She has to be fed, she has to be nurtured, she has to be guarded and protected like a parent with an infant. But the father who conceived that child with the mother cannot be neglected. So they are pulling away to get with the man who, who sowed seed into this move of God. Another illustration the Lord showed me on the day of Pentecost, it was springtime, and people had come from all over um, um, Europe, Asia, and all of Israel to celebrate in Jerusalem. Well, a lot of those people, before they left home, they had plowed their fields, they had sowed the seed, they had watered it, they had crops and animals and farms to get back to. And a lot of people today would say, well, we're just going to stay right here in Jerusalem and rent out the house to somebody else and stay here. Yeah, but you're going to run out of food, you're going to run out of money. Somebody's got to get back to the farm and, and, and weed the garden so that we can eat this fall. So it's not that we're neglecting the presence of God, but it's that we are learning to sustain ourselves in this earth during the move of God. So I'm not gonna criticize them for cutting back on the services or moving it to a different venue. And here's what I feel the Lord saying, that in the beginning it was about the venue, it was about the purity of the atmosphere at Asbury University, but now it's about my people that are raised up as gates of my glory. And those who experience His glory, it's no longer about a building. It's about the man, Jesus Christ, and it's about them being broken and opened up for the Holy Spirit to pour out of them. So it's not about a venue anymore. It's about the broken releasing the oil of His presence. For the equipping of the saints so that they can all minister unto Him and unto the earth for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the result of that is that we will all then come into unity, gathered around the faith, the unity of the faith. And the reason is that we would all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, the fullness of knowledge, knowing who He is. That's one of the biggest attributes of revival. I thought I knew who Jesus was, till I came here and experienced his presence in this way. And now he is just 10,000 times larger than I thought. God is bringing us to a perfect man. How are we as individuals and as the body of Christ going to show perfection on the earth? Because we are in his love well, I'm not perfect. Sure you are. The Bible says you are. But I'm not perfect. No, you're not outside of his presence. But in his presence, you are the righteousness of the Father in Christ Jesus. And now you are a perfect man. So how does Paul say there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, Greek, or this guy, a barbarian? Because they're all in him and they're all now one with one spirit, one body, a perfect bride. There's a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that the church is about to experience. And the nations will see him in his bride. You spend five minutes with my wife and you'll know she hangs out with her husband quite a bit. I can tell by how she talks and how she sees things. We are coming to the stature of the fullness of Christ. The result is we will no longer be children. I'm not being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. I'm no longer a victim of the trickery of men. I'm no longer being bombarded by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So is evil erased? Of course not. The darkness is still among us. But I've seen him. And now the effect of the darkness is becoming lesser and lesser upon me. I'm now speaking the truth not to slay my brothers and sisters that I think are in error but I'm now speaking the truth because I'm in his love and God is raising us up he is growing us up in all things into him who is the head of this church this bride He is Christ and from him this whole body, the church on the earth, is now being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part now is beginning to do its share. The nations are about to be impacted by the fullness of the body of Christ. So the Lord has slammed me. You will no longer speak blessing in one sentence and a curse right behind it. I'll give you an example. At the conference we had here in Boone a couple weeks ago, I recorded it and I uploaded it. And the Lord told me two days later, you will take it down and you will not share it anymore. And I said, why? And he said, because you brought forth blessings and curses. And I was struck, what do you mean? And I went back and listened to some of of what I had shared that first Friday night. And the truth that I was speaking was blessings that, yes, God is raising up a priesthood to represent Him in the earth. And then the very next sentence I said, but the church has been lacking His presence and love for Him. And we have handed over the authority of the kingdom to the nation. And the Lord told me, you just spoke a curse over America, and I cannot work with a curse. And the Sunday night after that conference, I laid in bed and the fear of the Lord came upon me. And my wife had told me earlier that evening, something's wrong with you. You're quiet, you're distant. And I I just told her, give me some time. And I knew I've got to rest in the fear of the Lord tonight to see the magnitude of my sin. And early Monday morning, I was exhausted from a long weekend, but I came in this room, I left the lights out, I left the door lock, locked, and I was so broken before the Lord because I saw... That I've been crying out to you for the anointing to make a change in this church, in this community, in this nation. And here I am using your anointing to empower the darkness and give it more authority. And for over four hours, I beg the Lord, take it deeper. Take it deeper. Please, I'm not looking for a superficial repentance and forgiveness. I need the roots of darkness uprooted from within me. And as a result of the fear of the Lord coming upon me, there was a deep cleansing that has taken place where now I watch my words and I guard them because I want Him to entrust me with the Word of God. I cannot carry the Word of God in one hand and the Word of man in another. But the words of man have to come to an end. They have to die. So that the Word of God can live within me. God is causing the growth of the body, the church of the living God, for the edifying of itself. The edifying of itself in love. So All all I can tell you is what I saw. What I saw were college-aged kids weeping, loving Him, worshiping Him, praising Him, hour after hour after hour. I spoke with Doug Abner, one of the men that God used greatly in, in the revival in Manchester, and Doug's health has gone downhill Three months ago he, he couldn't ride in a car most days because of the pain racking his body. And yet last week he got out of bed, he got dressed, he got in a car and drove over an hour to the revival in pain. And and they allowed him to come in the back back door. He has spoken at Asbury University. He shared what God has done in Manchester. And they saved him a seat on the front row, and he sat in a hard wooden seat. This man whose back is racked with pain, he sat in a wooden seat for eight hours and could not move because of the glory of God. And he wept and wept and wept. He called me the next day and he said, Man, I sat there for eight hours. and He said, my body was sore by the time I got home. It was, it was like 11, 12 hour journey for him. He said, my body is still in pain. I'm, I'm sore. But man, he just kept talking and talking. And it took him 45 minutes to share three stories because he would find himself breaking down and weeping and groaning at what he saw God doing there. Even myself, after, after we spent about seven hours sitting there, uh, we went to our hotel room and I, I climbed in bed and, and I laid there in the dark and, and my mind would just begin to replay things that I heard, things that I had seen throughout the evening. And I found that every time I exhaled, the Spirit of God was groaning within me. It took me over an hour to get to sleep, my, my, my abdominal muscles were sore from 24 hours of just groaning in the spirit. The next morning we, we went and got breakfast and you can't even bless your food without breaking and weeping and the waitress thinking there's something strange about these guys. And, and the waitress, she, I think she was from Romania, and she was so hard and bitter, you could just see it on her. And man, by the time we left, she was tearing up. Her countenance was glowing, and she knew, God loves me. And all we did was tell her, God knows your faithfulness, and He sees your pain, and He's with you. When revival comes, there's harmony, but there's also division. There's an awareness of his presence, and those who see him on the cross are humbled, and they see his glory in everyone around them. So there's unity, and yet there's division from those who want to criticize and want to judge from their point of view. And not from the cross. So there's hunger and there's humility. There's harmony. Hunger is the natural response to his presence. Your spiritual hunger, however great or small, it begins to taste spiritual food that you didn't know exists. A college freshman would get up and and, and read John 3.16. And most everybody in the average church would say, yes, I learned that when I was five years old. We're glad you finally caught up. But in their their brokenness, they begin to read the most well-known and simplistic scripture. And the whole auditorium begins to weep. Because they see a truth in that scripture never seen before. God does love us. The whole world. Even my enemies. Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians or or liberals and conservatives. He loves them. Whether it's the quiet. For the protester, those who whisper and those who shout to make their ways known, he loves them. The scripture comes alive and reveals the heart of the Father. His love has the ability to open the mind to the present that He is here, and He's here now. And people begin to experience His presence, and and one of the attributes of revival is that your whole life up to that day is replayed before you within just a few minutes. Really I'm I'm talking to people that are experiencing revival and they're saying, I'm seeing myself as a five-year-old child as a nine-year-old child, as a 15, 16-year-old out cruising the streets. I'm seeing my whole life replayed before me. I'm seeing the the attacks that were against me. I'm seeing the curses my parents brought on me. I'm seeing the things of my home that I, I thought were holding me back. And God's reliving my whole past with me and showing me His love and healing me. And then there's more repentance because I I, I thought he wasn't there. I thought he had neglected me and abandoned me and allowed me to suffer through that alone. But now I see that he was there all along. So in the present experience of revival, our whole lives are replayed before us and the cross now filters it to a new day. And now in this same seat, I'm beginning to dream of what he's doing and what revival is going to bring on the earth and what it's going to look like and what he's going to do with me and the possibilities. So it's past, present and future all wrapped up in one presence. And then you step back and you realize he really is the beginning and the end, and everything in between. Jesus becomes real. You begin to see that even though I've been through all this, He has been faithful. He has cared, He has loved, He has defended, He has healed, and He's my friend and he's with me and if he is with me what do I have to fear you begin to know him and there's this sudden sensitivity to how he feels about you and about everything in his creation There's a desire for everything else naturally that begins to diminish and a hunger for Him that increases until your heart aches and you realize you're at a loss of words to describe how much you long for Him. And at times, all you can do is groan. Even last night, I'm I'm sitting on the couch, I'm sitting behind my wife, because I know at any moment A commercial is going to come on advertising a cell phone or a prescription medication, but someone on there is going to be hurting and they're going to show the slightest bit of affection and I'm going to break into silent groans within me. And it happens. I'm sitting there tearing up over another prescription medication commercial because I know God loves them and He wants to heal them and reveal His love. John 14, 15 says if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What are his commandments? It's his invitation. If you love me, you will see every day that I'm inviting you to come and see me and know me. Jeremiah chapter 29. I'm almost done. I appreciate you. Just be impatient with me. Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 4. What lies ahead? Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to the exiles, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now when I read this, the Lord showed me a parallel, and it was as if heaven was compared to Jerusalem. And I believe to some extent we all had a part in heaven before creation. What that part was, I don't know, but I know that He knew us before He formed us in our mother's womb. And we're not there now. So you could say that we are the exiles from heaven who have been sent to the earth. So this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. He is the God of Israel. And he's speaking now to the exiles whom he has sent into exile from heaven to earth. And he says to you today, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. So a lot of people would say, all right, revivals come. There's something that's happening now that's about to sweep the entire world. And I'm just going to sink my life into that and nothing else. But I feel the Lord saying, don't just sit in his glory. Don't just sit in the atmosphere of revival and awakening, but go and experience it and let me set you free. Let me take what scales there are off of your eyes and then go back into the earth and live as you always have, but now with the knowledge of the glory of God. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on behalf of that city. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Don't let your prophets who are in your midst and the diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent these, declare the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my good words to you to bring you back to heaven. Verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, and this is why I've sent you to earth, declares the Lord. Because before creation, I planned you for welfare and not for calamity. I planned for you to give you a future and a hope. And this is the day that you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. This is the day that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore The fortunes of your loss and I will gather my church from all the nations and from all the places that I have sent you to declares the Lord I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile this is the Word of God and it is true The population of America for the last who knows how long has been plundered by leaders in our home, leaders in our education, leaders in business, leaders in local government, state government, national government, the church and all of America has been plundered. And what God is doing now is He's raising the standard against those who have plundered us. And the standard is not being raised up with weapons or with megaphones, with rebellion, criticism. The standard is His love. Revival brings a love that cannot be offended. I don't have to defend my father. He's a big boy. All I have to do is love him and pray for my enemies and bless them that they will have a visitation from the Lord, that they would know him and not die without him. That they would see the error of my ways and see the love of God for me. We have written out, like an accounting statement, the sins of our nation. And like any good accountant, we have kept record of every little purchase, every little expense but the CEO and the governor of the church is looking at the bottom right hand corner to see the the results of profit and loss and all that is wrapped up in this Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13 work out your own salvation That word salvation means deliverance and preservation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, it is God who is working in you. He is working in your will and he is working in your works for his good pleasure. He is working in your life and you will see that nothing has been wasted, for He has been behind you all along to pick up what you have dropped, to regain what you have lost, to defend you from your your thieves that have robbed you, and He is bringing it back to you, and He will walk with you in the restoration of all things. You will bear more fruit in the last years of your life than what you have lost up unto this point, I promise, for God is with you. If you have consistent condemnation upon you and you feel the things you have done or the things that have been done to you are holding you back, I encourage you, visit where the move of God is. If you cannot get free from the voices of condemnation, visit where the presence of God is manifest, and He will bring to you conviction. What is the difference between condemnation and conviction? The blood satisfies the conviction. Nothing satisfies the condemnation. In that place, God is there to empower you to leave your sins and your wounds upon the altar. And he says this day, you are my children and freedom is the children's bread. I warn, do not allow pride to take you to where God is moving. They don't need your help. But don't let pride keep you from going you need God's help trust me we all need his help I've often wondered what would fulfill Matthew twenty four ten when the majority of God's people would be offended and it may be God himself even now the church is having meetings today to ask, is this of God or is it not? Who am I to decide what is God and what is not? I declare this day that from Him are all things, through Him are all things, and to Him are all things. Everything will give an account to Him. All I have to do is love Him and pray for them and walk in freedom. Amen? Amen. God is filling His church with His love right now. And that's the standard that He is now raising up to defend His children from this earth. Because this standard has been raised Those who have plundered will be challenged to cease, but they will not be satisfied. And those who have plundered will now declare war. Where are we headed? Why is God pouring out his spirit? So that we become more comfortable with heaven than with this earth. So that those who have plundered and now declare war, whatever they come and take from me, take it. This earth isn't my home. When we see the cross and his suffering, there's not need for an argument, for a return, for a rebuke. The slogan of the Asbury Revival is radical humility. Radical humility. You hang around there 8, 10, 12 hours and not one person is upset. Not one person is mad. Not one. They're all so kind and gentle. And they're so glad you came and they want to hold nothing back but they hope that you experience his presence and go home and redeem your marriage your family your community your city they just want to do they give you drink they give you food they refuse any money in return they're letting people sleep on their couches use their bathrooms and asking nothing in return. That's our God. The giver of life has come to Wilmore, Kentucky. And the evidence is everyone that has experienced His presence, they're now a giver. They look just like their father. They act just like Him. They're beginning to talk like Him. And that is going to release the power of God to redeem this nation. But the enemy will not give it up easily. This is the time to get equipped, to get built up, to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Your most holy faith. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we shared, where is faith? faith most powerful? It's faith in him it's not faith in me going out it's not faith in my message it's not faith in, in 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 the power of God To it's faith in him it's faith in his blood it's faith in his death that allows me to die with him it's faith in his resurrection that lifts me up on the other side it's faith in his body The church, the church that I've doubted, that I've criticized, that I've not believed in. It's one of the biggest things the Lord showed me. When you don't believe in humanity, you've stopped believing in me. But Lord, you're different from them. Yes, but I made them in my image and I still have a people. And when you start believing in humanity again, I will send humanity to give you the message you've been crying out to me for. To bring to you the healing that you've been asking me for. God works through humanity. And the devil's tried to convince us that humanity is our greatest enemy, but they are made in His image. And He's raising them up. And even now, there are people coming to you with a message of hope with an anointing of deliverance and healing for you, but you have to believe that God is sending them or else we just become another Nazareth where God could only do few miracles. So Lord, we bless your church indwelled by your Holy Spirit and we believe again Lord, forgive the curses that we have spoken and give us your heart's desire to bless your bride, Jesus, your children, Father, your dwelling place, Holy Spirit. For this is the church on the earth and all of heaven gathers today to watch and ask, will you represent him well? Will you speak his name in believing Will you become one? For the Lord says that once this body is one in unity, I will set the head upon this body. And Jesus Christ will now be a part of His church as you've never seen in generations. For this is the latter reign. And Lord, we welcome you as one body In unity, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we bless this bread that in it is life. In it is the covenant. In it, we are one. And we take this by faith, knowing that the name of Jesus is enough to bless this bread, to bring it to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, even now, flowing from your heart is life. And the blood of life flows throughout the entire body. And it cleanses, it awakens, it delivers, it sets free. Father, forgive me. we receive your love, Lord. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we receive your love. The love that casts down fear and awakens your church. Arise, Bride of Christ, for your time has come. Lord, do a quick work. Prepare us for the coming of the Lamb, for the breaking of the seals for the confrontation in the nations. Help us represent you in love, in humility, in faith, in hope, and in the fire that you have now kindled upon the earth. Light us, Lord, and send us to the darkness, shouting praises to your name. By the blood of the Lamb, we receive your courage and your boldness to overcome. We worship you, Jesus.